This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit, in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest, and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leaders voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Welcome to America's Roundtable. It is Saturday morning, and a special welcome to our engaged and enlightened listeners in the Midwest and the South, America's heartland. This weekend on America's Roundtable Radio, we are honored to host a principal leader who has served in the judiciary with great distinction and honor, retired judge and former chief judge of the Michigan Court of Appeals, Henry Saad. During his career as a lawyer and his tenure on the Michigan Court of Appeals, Judge Saad taught evidence, ethics, and labor law for over 40 years as an adjunct professor at Wayne State University Law School and University of Detroit Mercy Law School. In 1994, then-Governor John Engler appointed Henry Saad to the Michigan Court of Appeals, a role he held for 23 years, including a term as Chief Judge of the Michigan Court of Appeals. Judge Saad was nominated to the federal court by President George H.W. Bush and to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit Court by President George W. Bush. Judge Saad retired from the appellate court in 2017. Judge Henry Saad serves as special counsel in Plunkett Cooney's appellate law practice group. Judge Henry Saad, welcome and a good morning to you, sir. Welcome to America's Roundtable. Welcome, Judge Saad. Well, good morning to both of you. It's always wonderful to hear your voice. The Magna Carta signed in 1215 is considered to be the first public declaration in history to impose the rule of law. A group of powerful noblemen demanded protection of property rights on their estates of land in exchange for the support of King John of England, who finally signed the Magna Carta to recognize their rights. Article 39 of the Magna Carta was written to ensure that the life, liberty or property of free subjects of the king could not be arbitrarily taken away. Thomas Jefferson, who drafted the U.S. Declaration of Independence, was inspired by the English Magna Carta, which established that every person, including the king, was subject to the law. Of course, the significance of justice and of principal governance that America's founding fathers appreciated not only came from the Magna Carta or the classical contributions of Greece and Rome. As we reflect on the writings of our founding fathers, the Judeo-Christian ethic is foundational where justice and the significance of virtues and principal governance is affirmed. John Adams, a signer of the U.S. Declaration of Independence in 1776 and our nation's second president said, Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. It is interesting to note that our founding fathers designed a government that would resist mob rule institute checks and balances of the federal government, and uphold states' rights. However, over time, states' rights were weakened. We also witnessed mob rule in the summer of 2020, 
and an emboldened administrative state at the federal level. Critics argue that the legislative branch is partly to be blamed in absolving their constitutional responsibilities, focusing on polling and elections, and handling their power to the administrative state. We remember the words from the Declaration of Independence, and I quote, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Today, we are witnessing one major crisis after another. On this weekend's broadcast with Judge Henry Saad, a principal leader, we shall take a closer look at the national security crisis and humanitarian disaster at the U.S. southern border and its adverse impact on America, criminalizing political differences and on foreign and national defense policy fronts, including the arming of a state sponsor of terrorism, Iran. In all these areas, the common denominator is the deterioration of the rule of law in America and the message that it sends to our allies in the West, as well as democracies struggling to establish the rule of law and protect private property rights. America's leadership, which was once admired, is now being derided on the world stage. Judge Saad, earlier this month, U.S. Senators pointed to data showing that Border Patrol had nabbed 56 people whose names were flagged in the terrorism database since October 1, 2021, a record high. If that many are being caught, more are getting through. This past week, it was reported that Border Patrol agents caught 10 terrorism suspects at the U.S.-Mexico boundary in July alone. Fentanyl seizures at the southern border also hit an all-time high suggesting the overall flow of the deadly drug is skyrocketing. Customs and Border Protection has processed over 1.9 million of illegal immigrants during fiscal year 2022, a tally that already eclipsed the record set in 2021. The number of nearly 2 million illegal immigrants is a significant number. Mississippi's population is around 3 million and Michigan's population is around 9 million. And Joe Biden's open border policy is not only creating havoc at the U.S. southern border, but throughout the entire nation in America's heartland. Uh, Judge Henry Saad, what are your thoughts regarding the deterioration of the rule of law in America, and specifically when witnessing this great breach of our U.S. southern border? Thank you for that question, Natasha. It, in one sense, it's very complicated, not because... The primary issue is complicated. The primary issue is simple. If we're all waiting to go to a rock concert and we stand in line for hours overnight and a group of people decide that they're going to cut in in front of everybody and not pay, but you've been waiting for two hours to see your favorite band, something as simple as that, people would be outraged and say, wait a minute, how fair is that? I'm doing it legally. I'm complying with the law. I'm standing in line. And all of a sudden, these other people come in, cut in front of line. They don't have to pay. They're violating the law. They're violating ethics and morality. And our government gives them the stamp of approval. Most people in a rock concert wouldn't stand for that. You'd have a riot right then and there. Hell, if one person tried to cut in line at Disney, there would be a riot, right? Now you extrapolate that to our country. And most people throughout the world know, and most countries throughout the world take the position, if you don't have borders, you don't have a country. If you don't have borders, you don't have sovereignty. If you let people in, 
And the first way that they come in is to violate the law. And the government itself is complicit in the violation of law. And the law-abiding people are watching this happen without any recourse, the frustration level and the disillusionment and the rule of law and what is good about our country all of a sudden disappears. You add insult to injury if you happen to have the temerity to raise opposition to what is clearly a system that is antithetical to a country, to sovereignty, to morality, to doing the right thing, to fairness, to those who are waiting to do it the right way. If you happen to raise it, well, then you're racist, homophobic, I mean, all the pejoratives that can be thought of, and you're silenced. And if you happen to be on social media, then, you know, they'll take away your Twitter account or your Facebook or whatever the case is. And you add insult to injury again, because you see that there are some people who you would hope would be on our side to have voice and prevent it more than just say something about it, but prevent it. They give lip service to it or they put a Band-Aid on it. Well, we'll send a busload to New York and we'll show you. Well, if you're a Southern governor and a Southern state and a border state and you're a Republican, or even if you're not a Republican, if you're somebody who's taken the oath of office to protect the people of your state, your first obligation is to protect the health, safety, and welfare of your people. And you know that there's terrorism, drugs, unprecedented numbers in history, sex trafficking. In other words, the systematic destruction of your country. And you know that the other side is not just incompetent, as some of our leaders would say. They're not incompetent. This is their objective. And they think they can have plenary power forever by bringing in people who will vote for them, which is, of course, the, the basic purpose of doing it in the first place. Let's bring in everybody from Honduras and Nicaragua, because then the Democratic Party will have a host of voters, as they have had the Black community forever. They've had that vote, and then they will have power uncontested forever. So it is the perfect storm. The administration intentionally, purposefully is bringing these millions in, and then you turn on the news, well, you know, the, there's been border crossings. No, no, it's not border crossings like, you know, maybe a stray something has come across. This is a systematic invasion. This is not a border crossing. So even the language that is being used has been hijacked, watered down to limit what people think about this. And they claim that the other side was... Oh, we were so bad when when Trump, for example, put them in cages, when in fact they were Obama cages, and now they're doing worse and people are dying. And some of these people who are trying to get in, as we know, are good, decent people who want a new life and trying to escape the hardships of a very bad life. And for them, your heart goes out and you say, because now you have cognitive dissonance, how can I say keep these people out? When many of them are risking everything and bringing their children, because there is that subset of people doing that. However, you don't make public policy. You don't defend the country on the basis of an emotional reaction to some people. You have to have the law that says, as we historically have, we tried, you come in on merit, you come in legally, you're loyal to this country, we know who you are, we know that you can create enough income 
to take care of your own. So then you're going to become dependent on the American people who are having a hard time as it is. And now we're supposed to take American taxpayers' money to pay for people who are coming in illegally. So it's all upside down. And many of us are asking, why don't the governors, whether it's in Texas or in Arizona, we're going to say because of the Constitution, you have the right, the obligation to defend our country by defending our border. But because you are violating the Constitution and law, the very law that says we can't do anything about it. So now we compound the problem by not stepping in. And there are many people just average everyday folks who are saying, this is absurd. This is insanity. Somebody has to come in and say, no, let's use the National Guard. Let's use the police to say, no, you're not going to come in illegally. We are going to try to make a difference. We see who's terrorists, who's drug addiction, gangs, drug traffickers. People are being exploited. We need a system to protect our people. And if the federal government's going to abdicate its responsibility, and as a matter of fact, worse, they're doing this on purpose, we have to do the right thing as a matter of law and protect our people. So this issue, like many others, is not just wringing our hands and decrying the lack of rule of law, because that lack of rule of law is systematically being eroded in every field. Conservatives can't speak in universities. With COVID, they can take control and close down churches, but keep open massage parlors. In the courts, they cherry pick to overturn laws. Department of Justice uses the mechanisms to go after our president and then pretend that our president is responsible for an insurrection when they tried systematically for four years to do the most scandalous thing in our history and take down the president. Or if you turn on the movies or K through 12, they've taken over the schools. So the parents say, what is this critical race theory that says you know, I'm inherently bad because I'm white. This is outrageous. So then you have Merritt Garland. Well, we have to come in because the parents are terrorists. Anyway, it goes on and on and on. Everything's flipped on its head. So is it just the rule of law? Well, the rule of law is the foundation of our country. But the rule of law, if you don't respect law, just like if you don't respect life, from the moment of inception to the moment of death with dignity, then if you don't respect life, everything falls. If you don't respect the rule of law in every area of activity, this is one, the border, a very important one, but it's destroying the functions of our country. Unfortunately, we're not doing anything about it that's effective. When in fact, the governors, there are rights of governors. They have states' rights. There is the Tenth Amendment, and what's not given to either the federal government or the states is left to the people. We have a right to protect ourselves. So, And while we try to protect ourselves, they want to take away your Second Amendment rights while allowing people to engage in mob violence and, and violating stores and stealing. So it is such a critical mass of undoing what has historically been law and order. And if we say we want a restoration, we want a counterculture movement, well, you're just trying to take things back to the days of Oz and Harriet, whereas Jim Crow and whites ruled everything. No, no, no. We're not trying to do that at all. We embrace the civil rights movement. We embrace what Martin Luther King did. We think there's been tremendous progress since 1776 to today's date. 
to undo some of the injustices, whether it was to women who didn't have the right to vote or property owners. You had to be a property owner. Our country has been an art of improving the social platform in this country, not going the other way, like a lot of other parts of the world. We've been getting better. So that's a false claim that what we're trying to do is to go back, take the country back to have a white male domination. That's not what most people are looking for. What they're looking for is the rule of law. Stop taking down the traditions. Take, don't take down Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Don't destroy our culture. Now, as Murray said in his wonderful book, War on the West, there is a war on the West, not only in this country, but all over the Western world, Israel included, and many other countries that believe in the constitutional Republican representative government. And as he pointed out, and so did Archbishop Chaput in his wonderful book, Strangers to Strange Land, if you combine a war on the West where people don't realize there's a war, so how do you win it? And we're engaged in civilizational suicide where we say, oh, okay, you're right. We'll water down our churches. We'll give up. We'll let anybody in who wants to come in. So if you combine civilizational suicide, you give up what's best about faith, family. And what, what did the left want to do? Communists said we can't take over the United States externally. It's too strong. So there are three things that we need to do to take over. Let's destroy God in the public square. Bingo. Check that box. Let's destroy the family. Bingo. Parent one, parent do. Get that box. Redefine marriage. Redefine everything. And by the way, if you happen to be in the Judeo-Christian tradition and have those beliefs, you're a bad person. You can bring in the Koran in school, but don't bring in that Bible. And then three, it says, give us the children. We get those three things. It's game, set, and match. And with the children, they took over universities, K through 12, the indoctrination, which we see thanks to COVID and all of a sudden we're watching on Zoom to see what they're teaching our children where we're starting to pull out our hair because people are waking up. So whether it's the border, whether it's education, universities, the corporations with high tech, et cetera, uh, quashing conservative voices, taking Twitter and saying, we're going to use, you can't have a different view of COVID. And think about it. We, we, we let them do these things, Joel and Natasha, and we use the improper language. A lot of people say, well, how can they take the president of the United States and, and just unplug his Twitter account? It's not because it's the president of the United States who's on. He's got 100 million followers. You just told 100 million people that they can't speak and hear and communicate in a way that everybody is using. It's not just one man. It's 100 million. It's not just that a border, quote, there are border crossings and they take. No, this is an invasion or it should be a meritorious legal process. We're not against immigration. We're all immigrants. Oh, look at me. Look at you. We're on Zoom looking at each other. We're all immigrants. And we're all. And, and when people say, well, you know, we need diversity, our country could be called the United States diversity country of the world. Why? Unlike a Japan, which is monolithic, and many other countries where they all look alike, 
It's the United States where people have come from all over the world. Hundreds of ethnic groups, racial groups, religious groups living in harmony, e pluribus unum, with an American spirit. And the American exceptionalism is, Joel, somebody who looks like you and talks like you, not, quote, a, you know, your normal average white American, or somebody who's Chinese or Taiwanese, can run for mayor of Boston and win. And as I told my grandson when he said, because his mother is the daughter of Taiwanese immigrants, my grandson is married, his mother's a wonderful, my daughter-in-law, a great Taiwanese woman. Well, yeah, it is wonderful that this young lady did that. But guess what? I said, if your papa, me, or your dad tried to run in Beijing or in Moscow or in, in, in Zimbabwe, you know, they might bury us in an anthill and watch the ants take over. <laughs> we wouldn't be running for mayor of a major city. So what is the, the exceptional is that we all can do that in this country. You can run, whether you're Albanian or Lebanese or Indian or Croatian, it doesn't make any difference where you come from. The point is we're all Americans. We have to embrace our constitutional republic and our liberties because this is the last best hope. Nowhere else in the world can you do this. And if you let the rule of law get eroded in all the areas we talked about, and then let the apparatus like Justice Department in an unprecedented way go after their political enemies, if you criminalize political differences like the Obama administration did and the, and the Biden administration, you notice that Trump didn't do that, the bad guy with orange hair. He didn't criminalize political differences. He said, don't do it. <laughs> so the man who said, oh, let's restore what's best. Let's get rid of the administrative state, the Leviathan, that's undermining our laws, because you can't have all three branches of government and one administrative agency, because that's, that's an right, antithetical right. to our whole system of checks and balances. Well, he's the one that they attack. He's the one that they spy on. They try to prevent him from becoming president. For years, they did this Russian collusion, which everybody knew on day one was absurd, a lie from the Clinton thing. Comey's involved, and Clapper, and Cole, and Susan, and the list goes on. But so, so what happens as soon as the election uh, happens in 2020, and all kinds of rules of the game were changed in the middle of the election? Well, you can't say anything about any improprieties in the election process because then you're an insurrectionist. And for all the goofy people who were more like having a crazy party on January 6th, we'll throw them in jail in solitary confinement for over a year without even having lawyers or having their day in court. That's okay. Now, that doesn't happen in the United States, but it's happened recently, right? But some guy who goes after a gubernatorial candidate in New York, Zeldin, and tries to kill him is out two hours later. And this man attempted a That's serious right. bodily injury on another on video on a on a gubernatorial candidate on a sitting con congressman. And two hours later he's out. But some guy who puts on horns on his head and acts like a moron in the Capitol is still in jail a couple years later. So has everything changed a bit? Well, yeah, that's because the rule of law and many other things.
and I think that's the purport of your question, Natasha, is what do we do? Well, the border mm. crisis is real. It's intentional, has a methodology, which is bring as many in as you can. Pretend that there's nothing there. Like the border czar says, we have everything under control. And of course, the border agents are saying, they're pulling out their hair saying, are you crazy? What are you talking about? There's never been anything this bad in our history. There hasn't. Just like there's never been an invasion of a president's house by a sitting attorney general in history. There's never been in history a Russian collusion nonsense where they try to take down a president. But they tell you, you are silly and blind and there's something wrong with your mentality if you even comment on any of this. While we're the very fabric of our country. So you, Joel and Natasha, you all should be quiet. All should be quiet and not say a word about anything that's happening because you are the problem, Natasha and Joel, and so am I. Because sit back and act with. And what does the com- what do the Communist Manifesto say about this? Let's do all these things. Get rid of God, family, give us your children, do all this. We will dispirit the people. And once we dispirit the people and they say, oh, my God, there's nothing we can do, then we've won. Mm. That's what exactly. we're at. And that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, uh, Natasha was born in communist Yugoslavia and mm. understands what happened in Eastern Europe when they went after political opponents. And on the topic of criminalizing political differences, uh, which you raised uh, so importantly about what we're experiencing in America, the American public are asking for answers regarding this unprecedented FBI raid on the Florida home of former President Donald Trump. And for our listeners, they have seen the images of some 30 federal agents descending the Mar-a-Lago estate and that jolted Americans. And apparently, it was a nine and a half hour raid, which included the bedroom and the family's private quarters. And the most glaring is that when you talk to leaders in Western democracies, they too see Donald Trump as not only a former U.S. president, but a potential contender for the 2024 presidential election. And the images we saw of the FBI raiding uh, or raid targeting President Donald Trump are very well known in third world countries, as you mentioned. And in fact, the tactics could be used by Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping to remove their political opposition. All of them, Zimbabwe, I mean, my God. But Joel, how is this any different? You see, when, when you allow... It's like when you give a child an inch, they take a mile, that old expression. When, when you allow this to happen with Scooter Libby, now he was the chief of staff to Cheney, Vice President Cheney. They, Cheney back then was Darth Vader. He's the bad guy. Now he's pretty good, of course, because his daughter's going after Trump. And he's doing commercials, which shame on him. But back then, he was Darth Vader. They tried to get rid of Bush. How did they try to get rid of Bush? They would try to get rid of Bush by going after Cheney, and then Bush was next. Just like they're going after Trump, just like they went after Nixon, just like they went after previous George Herbert Walker Bush, and, and when they went after Reagan until they die and then they're okay. But while they're alive, they go after them. 
everybody knew before they went after Scooter Libby that Armitage was the quote leaker of Valerie Blank. But Fitzpatrick had, as a special prosecutor, this long, lengthy prosecution. They went after Flynn, knowing full well that Flynn didn't do anything wrong. Even the Court of Appeals said so, but the district court wasn't going to let it up. He had, it, he had it in his teeth like a bone and violating the law as a judge. But they went after Flynn. They went after numerous people in the administration, right? No matter who it is, they'll go into their homes. Giuliani, here's a guy who's a U.S. attorney and put away more mafia people, and his life was threatened. He's, he's America's mayor after 9-11, but they're going to go into his home. Anybody who is in Trump's orbit, they went after Trump before he even took office. They were calling for his impeachment before he took office. Mm -hmm. This is a continuation of that. How do you do something as unprecedented, as radical as going mm -hmm. into a former president's home? When, by the way, they had been negotiating about this all along. You don't need to do that. Just like they don't have to storm Giuliani's house. Giuliani says, come in, take what you want. Trump said, invited them in. The General Service Administration is the ones who packed up the boxes that's in Mar-a-Lago. They've already taken inventory, but they know what's there. He's offered to give back a whole bunch of stuff. Plus, the law says that he gets to classify and declassify material. Now, the dirty little secret is that stuff he was disclassifying has to do with Hillary's emails. And has to do with the deep state, the Russian illusion showing struck and stroke and the girlfriend and everybody saying, let's take down this president. Mm. And it shows how awful that was. This is evidence of their insurrection. They're trying to take over the country. And why do you think they don't want any of that stuff to see the light of day? And stuff that is attorney-client privilege. And executive privilege. All that stuff is there. Do you need nine hours to go after something? No, no. So this is an, another example of lawlessness. And then you get Marin Garland, who walks up there, and he looks like someone from Stasi with a script saying, mm, we did the right thing. We tried less intrusive event. No, no. We all know you're lying. <laughs> and this is absurd. Just like we knew Comey and Clapper and Brennan were lying. And by the way, the people in GSA and National Security who are responsible for what just happened are the same people who are working to get the Russian collusion. Mm -hmm. The same people who are saying he's guilty are the ones who are guilty of the most outrageous, most historic effort to undermine the presidency. The same very people are the ones who are doing this. Well, who's on the January 6th committee? The same guy who said, oh, he's a Russian agent. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. For a year. And he's on the committee. And we know he lied for four years. But he's on the committee to show how bad these people. I mean, mm -hmm. to even have to say how absurd it is, is absurd. It's like the theater of absurd on steroids. Yes. There are a gazillion ways and why this was wrong, illegal, and dangerous for our country and for them to do that and you know darn well that there is no serious purpose for doing this and what are our conservative friends doing on the various stations well i wondered if they were looking for this and i wonder if there's a justification over here 
Why? Because the conservatives are always looking at, well, there must be a real law and order reason behind yeah. this, right? Because all the all these straight-laced people who play by the Marcus of Queensbury rules and who don't understand that there's a culture war and a war on, on our traditions mm. are thinking, well, gee, they wouldn't have done it unless there's a reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a reason, all right. <laughs> but it's not what you think. Mm. And this has never happened before in history. Just like you've never had the FBI, the CIA, and the National Security trying to take down a president of the United States as they did with Trump, and then have impeachments to take him down for doing illegal, like in the Ukraine, where who was the one violating the law? Well, you know, I told them if they didn't drop this investigation of my son, they wouldn't get a billion and a half dollars. Ha, ha, ha. Mm. And guess what? They said, you don't have the power. Well, I'll call Obama. Okay, well, guess what? They, they fired the prosecutor. Son of a bitch. I guess it works. He brags about violating the law, about using American dollars and power for his own political purposes. He becomes a multimillionaire. His son's laptop clearly shows that this is one of the most corrupt families in the history of our country. But Twitter says you can't talk about it. They shut down all platforms. The FBI doesn't do anything with it for a year and a half, right? That's right. Make sure that the guy in the, and who's hiding his basement during the election wins the election. And then, well, maybe there's something to this laptop now that he doesn't look like he can win the election. Perhaps we need to get rid of him. So maybe we should talk about it a little bit. It's all staged. It's act two, scene three. All the world's a stage and we act our part. And the part we're acting on the conservative side are people playing by the Marcus of Queensbury rules. And we wonder why they're eating our lunch, why they're destroying our country, our traditions, taking down our statue. But well, first, well, maybe taking down Robert E. Lee makes sense. After all, he was a Confederate soldier. Forget about the fact. Forget the history. And forget History 101 that says you don't judge people 200 years ago by today's standards. Right. You violate the rule against dumbness, first of all. But you let that happen. Then all of a sudden, when Rush Limbaugh says, and other conservatives, you let that happen. And pretty soon, they're going to be taking down George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson. And then what are they doing? And Teddy Roosevelt. They're taking all of them down. Because if you don't have history, if you don't have borders, you don't have the rule of law. Uh, what do you think is left of the USA? That's right. So, so th- this is, you know, and, and God bless Trump. He did some wonderful things for our country. But I got to tell you, when he, from those seven countries, the executive order, when he signed that executive order, these were the seven countries that Obama identified. It wasn't him. But then they cherry pick a San Francisco judge to say, oh, I'm issuing an injunction. Now, they claim that. Trump is lawless. He wasn't lawless. He was too punctilious in respecting a judge who had no power to do it. They should have said, you have no power to issue a nationwide injunction. This is Article 1 and Article 2 powers, Congress and the president, where he almost has plenary power to do what he did. If you think you're going to issue an injunction, one San Francisco judge who's cherry-picked to stop somebody who's been elected the president of the United States. No, you said you appeal for the next two and a half years. And while the appeal is going on, our policy continues, which they won, by the way, at the Supreme Court. Trump won. 
But you continue your policies. Shame on Trump for allowing them to handcuff him for two and a half years. And then when the Russian collusion starts, because they because of Hillary's wonderful machinations and that evil stuff she has going on. Instead of saying, this is absurd, have a press conference with all the Republicans, I'll pull the plug on this right away. We all know it's nonsense. She hired people overseas to do this. I'm not the Russian agent. As he said, I didn't even have Russian dressing on my salad, for God's sake. What are you talking about? Instead, what happens? They allow that to continue, right? The so-called Russian collusion stuff, they allow it to continue. There's wiretaps. There's spying. And does anything happen to stop that? No. And he should, And who do they go after? Flint. Logan Act. Logan Act. What are you talking about? It's never been used. And the Logan Act is for what Kerry's doing when he's over there trying to undermine. While Trump is in power, he's trying to undermine the Iranian deal. That's what the Logan Act was getting at. You can't interfere in foreign. And Ted Kennedy was good at that when Reagan was president. That's what it refers to. Not when you have an incoming. National Security Advisor Flynn, that's his job to, to talk to his counterpart. But uh, but what does what does Trump do? God bless him. He fires him. Oh, I think you're giving the other side a little green light. You're waving the white flag. They can come after you with with international policy, with the seven ex- executive orders. One judge can stop you. They can take out Michael Flynn, and you just back off and you fire him. The man who on the national stage was the first one to support you. Oh, my God. You start watching that, you're saying, Mr. President, who speaks powerfully. But guess what? You're caving. You're letting them undermine you at every step. And if you let them undermine you where you have the most power, what are they going to do in the margin? That's right. Next four years, they continue. And the wall, same thing. You get one hand-picked judge who says, oh, no, you can't do the wall anymore. So he gives speeches about how crazy that is. But same thing with the executive order. Fine. You have no authority to stop me. This is the police power to protect the United States. If it's true that the Biden administration has all the power to say who comes in and who doesn't, you mean Trump didn't? You appeal the decision. So for the next two and a half years, I build the wall. And he won that one when it got to the Supreme Court. But for years, they stood by. and mm-hmm. So even somebody as powerful and smart, as effective as Trump, was letting the other side slap him around back and forth. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who would have been his supporters saw that he let that happen with the seven countries. He got rid of Flynn, who was his first supporter. What does that do for people who would might have otherwise been very strong supporters of his, thinking maybe they would be deep six and thrown under the bus? My point is that our argument is not for Trump. Trump is not the key here. It is America. Trump happens to be one vessel and one. Now, to the other side, with the Trump derangement syndrome, it's all about Trump. But why? Because he was the first person to look at the press and call them out for what they are. They're liars. Mm. When he says, they're inventing the news. And then, hell, the New York Times said, we're throwing out all journalism to take down the president. Mm. He's not making it up that there's fake news. They said they were going to do it. They adopt the 1619 Project as an alternative 
1776. Everybody with half a brain knows that's balderdash and nonsense. Mm -hmm. But the New York Times invents it. So Trump's calling them out, and he puts together a 1776 project with our folks from Hillsdale at the and who's working on the national board is and what is the gentle and just country Joe, everybody's neighbor do, the first thing he does is get rid of the 1776 project. Uncle Joe. Because he's such a nice guy, unlike Trump, who's the bad guy. Hmm. But it's Biden who's committing all these extra legal, extra on illegal conduct at the border and in every other realm we're talking about. But he's a good guy and Trump's a bad guy. Yeah. Judge Henry Saad, <laughs> we thank you so much for joining us on America's Roundtable, presenting principled solutions, affirming U.S. constitutional principles, and educating, informing, enlightening our fellow Americans about the significance of the rule of law and affirming American exceptionalism. Thank you so much for taking time and being with us today. And we encourage our listeners to certainly share this on podcast platforms, to share it with your friends, your neighbors, your family members. Thank you, Judge Saad, for your leadership. Thank you so much, Judge Saad. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lanza Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leaders Leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.